Good afternoon, and welcome to episode 13 of MVS Virtual. I'm your host, Dirk Reitz, founder and event chair of MVS. Thank you all for tuning in. For those of you that are not familiar with MBS, our goal is pretty simple. We want to continue to push the industry forward by bringing marketers together to discuss the challenges and opportunities in the industry, network, and learn from each other. We've hosted over 25 events uh, throughout the world in the past five years, and Given the current environment, we've launched this virtual series to keep our MBS community connected. If you're on Twitter or Instagram, uh, please feel free to give us a follow and also feel free to share anything that you've heard today uh, with your network. You can use the hashtag MBS virtual and we'll be sure to reshare it with our network. Also, you can visit our YouTube page to listen to any of our previous episodes including this one. Uh, I encourage all of you to submit any questions that you might have for our speaker via the chat feature, and we'll be sure to address those at the end of the interview. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Kristen Conley, Senior Director of Marketing at Activision Blizzard Esports. Kristen, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Hi, Derek. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, excited to chat with everyone today. So um, you've been with uh, Activision Blizzard for over three years. Um, can you talk a little bit about your background, um, you know, kind of what your current role uh, consists of and maybe what made you join the company? Yeah, absolutely. So I joined in June of 2017 uh, to launch the Overwatch League, which is the first ever city-based global professional esports league. So for those not familiar with esports, we'll talk more about that. Um, and I now oversee all of our global marketing for um, our, our esports initiatives across Activision and Blizzard. Uh, prior to that, I came from a more traditional sports marketing background. I was with the New York Jets for seven and a half years leading their marketing. And prior to that was in the advertising world and uh, did a, a little stint at the Baltimore Ravens too. So mostly in the traditional sports space and traditional marketing space for consumer products. Um, the eSports journey has been a new endeavor over the past three years, um, but what really drove me to it, I'm obsessed with consumers and, and particularly the future uh, of our younger generation that are consuming not just products, but content and entertainment um, and eSports is most certainly at the forefront of that all. So really excited to come on board and think about how we are leading uh, esports globally, uh, appealing to a really young demographic um, and, and kind of helping them keep entertained um, and educated in their, in their gaming and entertainment world. So speaking of esports, you know, for those uh, listening that are not familiar with esports, and the Activision Blizzard esports port, uh, portfolio. Can you share a little bit about both? Yes, absolutely. So, in its simplest form, esports is competitive gaming. Uh, so, just as you think about, you know, the NFL or, or college football is is football played at the most competitive level, um, including up to the pros. That is the same for gaming. 
Um, what sometimes can be a little confusing for those that are not familiar with eSports is that each game represents a different eSport. So for example, I work on the Overwatch League, which is based on the game Overwatch. I work on the Call of Duty League, which is based on the game Call of Duty, which are part of Blizzard and Activision's portfolios um, kind of respectively there. Um, but there's other major eSports like Riot's League of Legends, uh, Epic Games, Fortnite, uh, those are all different esports um, within the entire industry and ecosystem. Um, so what we're doing that's a little bit different than the rest of the industry is we uh, approached our esports with a franchise model. So we have professional teams that are owned by ownership groups all over the world, just like you see in the NBA or NFL. Uh, for example, um, Robert Kraft, who owns the New England Patriots and the, the soccer team, the Revs, also owns our Boston Uprising team as part of the Overwatch League. Um, and we compete just like professional sports in seasons. So uh, week in, week out, um, the, the teams come together. There's 20 of them on the Overwatch League side and 12 on the Call of Duty League side, and they compete to be the champion. So. Um, Kind of fun time we just had our first ever call of duty league championship moment two weeks ago and dallas was crowned the winners uh we're in the middle of the overwatch league post season uh where the, those teams will be competing to be the winner and and when i say winner um there's a 1.5 million dollar prize pool uh for the winning team so it is quite competitive um but uh while we're taking this professional uh regular season approach. A lot of esports is also tournament focused. So much like you see in tennis or golf where there's, you know, five or six major tournaments that happen in different locations around the world. So it varies quite a bit. Um, and so what I, again, what I'm gonna be talking today is really in particular about Call of Duty League and Overwatch League and, and maybe a little bit of our, our, our other Blizzard esports um, competitive gaming tournaments. And so how are the teams formed? Is it similar to like tryouts like in, you know, college or professional or kind of can you explain a little bit about that? Because I'm even curious. about. Yeah, that. for sure. So what's interesting and what's kind of cool about gaming and esports in general is because we're digital, the, the data and the information is clear cut. Um, so unlike let's again, I, I reference the NFL a lot because uh, that's kind of where I came from, but it's clear to understand. In the NFL, there's a combine uh, where, where players will come and, and test out and, and show their skills in, in different competitions. With, uh, with gaming, there is a clear ranking system and it's accessible. All of that data, all of the information on that player is accessible for our ownership groups. So it's really easy for them to look at the data and understand the success of a player. Um, there's what we call kind of ladder um, in which the players uh, go through different rankings. Um, and that's how you can easily know, uh, and, and all players know this, you know, who the top 100 500 players are in the world. And that's also how you move through the amateur system. So again, when I reference Overwatch League or Call of Duty League, that is at the highest professional level. But there's an amateur circuit of, of how you get there. There's collegiate circuits, there's college and universities that have clubs. Um, and so to, to kind of move along rank um, is, is how to get noticed and then to get into the amateur scene. A lot of the ownership groups, um, which notably have GMs and coaches that are leading the teams, 
do scouting just like any other sport where they see them come on the competitive circuit, you know, they watch them play um, and they see how they perform and uh, that kind of uh, fuels the, the professional league. And speaking of player, could you share kind of what the demographics look like in, you know, I'd say some of the games in your portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple different terms, right? So there's a, a player who plays the game. Then there's the pro players that I just talked about who are who are paid, um, salaried on teams uh, selected by the ownership groups. Um, then there's also our fans, which <laughs> they all kind of play a little bit of a different part. Um, what is really unique about Activision Blizzard Esports is we have a portfolio of different esports based on different games um, under our umbrella. And the demographics range drastically. So the Call of Duty player, for example, um, is a bit more male, um, slightly older in their 20s to 30s, a bit more North America um, centric uh, into EU. Whereas our Overwatch League player is significantly younger, um, 13, you know, to, to 20s, uh, and is fully global, um, heavily in, in Asia as well, um, and has a more uh, female base um, that plays it. And so our fandom follows, uh, follows suit to that. Um, the Overwatch League in particular is a very diverse and inclusive fan base global, um, our fans skew more female um, uh, than, uh, well, it's still male dominated, um, but the split is, is more even for the fans than it is for the um, players, uh, which is what you tend to see in a lot of traditional sports as well. Um, but it, it really ranges. And then when you go into Blizzard Esports, we have some more classic games, uh, for example, World of Warcraft, which also attracts a little bit of a different player um, and, and fan accordingly. So it runs the gamut, but what is cool is that all of our franchises can attract a different type of fan um, and, and really uh, appeal to the players that we have around the globe. So you recently made kind of the switch from the Twitch platform to exclusively YouTube. Can you share any kind of major differences in the marketing approach there? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, we, we uh, partnered with Twitch for the first two years of the Overwatch League. Um, this is the first year of the Call of Duty League. Uh, so, so we just started um, on YouTube right away. But the biggest difference is, uh, for those that are not familiar with Twitch, although Dirk did a, a, a chat with them a couple weeks ago, they are Amazon's live streaming platform. And predominantly, they've been the, the live streaming platform for gaming, um, although they're expanding into sports and music and, and other genres. Um, as, as everyone knows, YouTube is just an incredible force to be reckoned with in the content uh, and creator and influencer space. Um, but what's interesting is YouTube is, is actually the largest gaming platform in the world. They have over 200 million gamers a day watching 50 billion hours of gaming content, which is amazing. Um, and so the, the biggest shift is while YouTube um, is at the forefront of gaming, their uh, live component is a little bit uh, uh, newer for them than in comparison to Twitch, which for us um, is exciting because we can bring, we're one of the first esports properties to bring our live um, tournaments and matches to their platform. Um, so they can, they can kind of benefit from that, that live tune-in audience of appointment viewing. 
But at the same time, we can dive further into the content space, which we know as marketers is the best way to level up engagement and create loyal fans, particularly in the entertainment world. So uh, we've, we've shifted our thinking a lot more to how do we engage fans 365, how we work with creators and influencers um, and other people in the community to expand our reach um, and attract different audiences and really experiment in a different way um, beyond just the, the days that are live. So if you think about our product, we're live uh, mostly on the weekends, so Saturday and Sunday. But when we uh, approach our strategy with YouTube, it's not just what are we doing from a live perspective on Saturday and Sunday, but what are we doing Monday through Friday to engage um, and keep the interest levels high. So YouTube um, has allowed us to reach a different level of, of creators and influencers and also really challenged us to elevate our content um, and, and really focus on uh, the different types of content that we're creating for our different audiences. And speaking of that fan kind of experience and keeping them engaged, can you share kind of what you guys are doing, giveaways, et cetera? Yeah, totally. So for everyone, this has obviously been a really challenging year. Um, for us in particular, this was going to be our epic breakout year where for the first time ever in, in the third season of the Overwatch League, we were going to be competing in front of live audiences in home markets across the world from the US, Canada to France and UK and Korea and China. Um, and uh, we, we had about two to three weeks successfully of, of doing that before uh, COVID shut us down. And so uh, while that was a challenge because we were, we were so excited to finally bring our games and, and that energy and atmosphere that you get from playing in front of a live audience um, to shifting to digital. Um, our broadcast team was pretty incredible and we only took a two week break between the shutdown of COVID to get all of our matches launched digitally. Um, so you may be saying, okay, well, you, you know, you're streamed on YouTube. Your fans can always watch it digitally, um, but there is obviously a different challenge that comes about to um, having all of the players compete in different places of the world, uh, pinging servers <laughs> from everywhere um, and keeping that level of competition going. So there's quite a bit of operations that went into that. Uh, but at the same time, it allowed us to tap into the digital and social um, uh, abilities um, to, to attract our, our fans. And when I, when I went back to, we talked a little bit about the players, but what's interesting about the fans, especially on the Overwatch League that are skewing younger, but even on the Call of Duty League uh, side, is our fans are digital native, social first. If you look at the Overwatch League side, for example, um, you know, the majority are, are uh, under uh, 34, the majority, you know, 90% living in that 18 to 34 um, audience. So they're used to living on the online space. So we use that to our advantage. Um, I'm really passionate about this topic. So I probably kind of hit on a couple things that we've done that uh, is really cool to keep them engaged. 
we know as marketers that fan, fans and consumers love things that are free, exclusive, and behind the scenes. Um, uniquely to eSports, um, our fans also love the sense of community that's created. Uh, again, that's not exclusive to eSports, but that is a component that's really important to our eSports um, community and something that we really embrace. And all of our marketing uh, tries to uphold the authenticity of the community and, and being more accessible than perhaps some traditional sports brands can be or just brands in general. Um, so we try to leverage that in, in the realm that we're living in right now. Um, a couple of examples of that. One, as I mentioned, we just had our first ever uh, CDL champs. Um, and we, we took a couple of different approaches to that. So uh, first of all, we completely elevated the digital stage that you were looking at. So uh, again, our big finale of an event would normally be hold at a massive arena like Barclays Center or Wells Fargo Center or two places we've been for the Overwatch League in, in, in the past in front of sold out crowds of 11,000 people. Um, and you have a full stage um, and a host and you know the epic uh, screen um, to, to, to look at. So to um, really celebrate that, we created uh, digital stages. So our broadcast team, for example, for for the Call of Duty League, um, reimagined the middle of the Warzone game. And they were in the midst of a bunker. Um, the, the broadcast went fully digitally inside uh, the Verdansk Stadium, which is iconic to the Warzone game. Um, and for example, the celebratory moment of when Dallas won, the stadium uh, digitally lit up in fireworks, all of the LED screens in the stadium turned over to celebrate the winning champion, just like you would if you were actually in the arena, but all of this is happening digitally as part of the stage graphics that you're seeing through uh, YouTube. Um, we also did some awesome giveaways uh, that related back to the game. Um, so the, the Call of Duty franchise just announced um, uh, the new game upcoming and we were able to give away 10,000 free codes uh, for those tuning in and they were random drops so it got people kind of excited to watch. Um, it was a surprise. We approached it with a complete hack of the broadcast um, and just kind of came in and introduced the game like, uh, like our broadcast was being taken over um, and that was the moment that triggered um, all of those codes uh, to come about. We also did digital uh, packs um, so you could purchase them but then we gave a thousand away to to be able to win those as you were watching. We're doing something similar on the Overwatch League side. We do these drops and rewards to incentivize um, viewership um, but as part of our campaign launch this year we did a fun digital fan pack download center. So as I mentioned we have 20, fan, uh, 20 teams from all over the world and fans could go online uh, to our website and download the Zoom backgrounds, phone backgrounds, all the backgrounds of their teams in our postseason branding look um, and celebrate their fandom and excitement for the postseason and support their teams. And we're gearing up, as I mentioned, we're in the middle of the, the postseason. We're gearing up for our big grand finals of the Overwatch League. And we're going to be implementing a couple new things on broadcast. So 
uh, two examples. One is similar to how the NFL approached the draft this year of having the digital fan wall, of having fans to be able to be a part of the broadcast and, and root for their team and be seen rocking their team's jersey. Uh, we'll be doing that. Um, we're doing another cool thing where you can, and by the way, this hasn't been <laughs> completely announced yet, so you're getting a little bit behind the scenes, but we'll be doing something where you can uh, uh, tweet um, to get a automatic photo of a behind the scenes look of the players at exactly at that moment um, in competition. So you, know, you get to kind of see and sag where, where they're competing, which is um, something I haven't you know, fully, fully seen a lot of. Um, and then another cool thing we're doing is to be able to hear yourself cheer. So you can record yourself, um, upload it, and there'll be an aggregate of all the fans cheering live, which is pretty cool too. Um, Last thing I'll say on this is that's all the things we're doing, but um, our fans have also adjusted to the digital landscape in a really special way. Um, our community is, is what really makes our, our esports initiative so special. Um, so we have supporter groups coming together and figuring out digital ways to cheer and to um, continue to be a part of the community. Both Paris and Dallas, for example, on the Overwatch League side um, have launched Discord channels to be able to chat and cheer live together. Um, we've even had some in-person uh, watch parties um, kick back up in Asia. For example, the Chengdu team, um, where, where they're allowed to have up to 50 people right now in group settings, have, have brought that to life. So just really cool, innovative ways of trying to maintain that sense of community, um, even you know through the, through the midst of everything that we're experiencing. That's great. Um, at a high level, you know, what type of numbers are you seeing in terms of audience for each league? I believe you had mentioned previously that you guys broke just recently broke a record. Yeah. Um, so our, our first ever CDL champs um, broke records on YouTube gaming uh, live. So we hit um, almost 339,000 uh, peak viewership of of fans tuning in and um, in in an average match AMA of 275,000. Um, we still measure against AMA, that's the benchmark uh, across all kind of live entertainment. Um, we were actually the first esports property to um, to use that benchmark so that we could we could better compare across uh, all of live competitive entertainment. Um, and as well, Call of Duty League just surpassed 1 million subscribers on YouTube, which was another major benchmark uh, for us, especially in the first season. So uh, the, the numbers have been awesome. Uh, as Twitch was uh, discussing in their chat um, it re recently is just, the consumer being home has opened up a new avenue of, of being able to be online and game and watch esports. Um, so it's been really unique as a marketer during this time when a lot of brands are you know, struggling to connect with their consumers, especially in real life, um, to be able to do that digitally and have people be even more engaged. So really, um, you know, the, the numbers have been promising um, and uh, hopefully we'll continue that momentum into the end of, of the Overwatch League uh, season this year. So in terms of like partnerships with other brands, can you share any recent partnerships uh, that have been, you know, successful? Yeah, uh, definitely. So on the Call of Duty League side, we did a cool partnership with Game Fuel. Um, their goal, again, as a, as a retailer that's looking to put uh, cans of their new product in the hands of our fans, what a challenge it is when we don't have any more um, 
you know, in-city uh, home-based events, they, they got really creative um, and were able to go online and we pivoted to do a promotion with them leading up to playoffs and champs where we shipped actual product, six packs, six packs and then um, uh, swags from their favorite Call of Duty League team. And we're able to mail it out to thousands of fans to get them to fuel up for um, for the matches. Uh, that was really cool because again, that's something to fulfill that uh, is always a challenge and the, the social um, buzz that came about that of just how pumped the fans were, which was, which was super cool. We did something similar um, on Call of Duty League as well with Chipotle. Um, and during the broadcast, we triggered free burrito drops by watching um, and fans were able to redeem and chat for, for a coupon for the first uh, you know number of fans that claimed that so that was super fun and um, as I mentioned this this tweet cam that we're doing on the overwatch league side for playoffs and um, that is in partnership with Kellogg's it's the Kellogg's crunch time cam um, so really excited about their their partnership there and then as I mentioned also this virtual fan wall that we're doing um, on the overwatch league side uh, that's in partnership with T-Mobile um, they, they've been awesome partners of really wanting to be immersed um, in, in the fan space um, and celebrate the community. And I think T-Mobile is a great example of a brand that has collaborated and partnered closely in esports and understood the importance of authenticity to their fans. If anyone's ever heard anything about esports before um, from a business perspective and a marketing and partnerships perspective, it is maintaining that authenticity It is critical. Um, our fans really celebrate brand partnerships, which is unique um, in the entertainment world. They love the validity that it brings uh, to the esport uh, that they're passionate of. Um, so uh, T-Mobile is a great example of you know, understanding how to do that um, from the right approach. A um, couple more questions, and then we've got a question from the audience. Influencers, obviously, is a big topic of discussion these days. Can you share you know, how you're working with some of these influencers to drive brand recognition? Yeah, absolutely. So this is where YouTube has changed the game for us, um, bringing their uh, their access to all of the co-creators that they have um, is just allowed us to do some cool partnerships. But particularly what we've what we've tested out is co-streaming. Um, uh, one example is in July on the Call of Duty League side, we partnered with Vic Star um, and had almost twenty thousand incremental AMA from that that co-streaming. Um, it's able to, it's allowed us to cross over to different audiences and, and you know, gaining fans um, from their favorite streaming personalities that we didn't have before. Um, and when we just did it for Call of Duty League uh, postseason, we garnered almost 100K uh, peak incremental views, which was awesome. Um, other cool partnership I'm really proud of uh, is we, we partnered with Sharon Barber, um, who's a luxury custom designer for Travis Scott and Post Malone and, and many other uh, music and sports icons. And we did a throne. So our, our Dallas, uh, um, uh, champions this year are getting a physical throne uh, to put in their offices um, and practice area, uh, which is just super cool and, and something completely different. Now the fun challenge is, is getting that 500 pound throne <laughs> to their facility, um, but that was a cool partnership. Uh, even though there's a lot of uncertainty right now, it sounds like you guys are definitely navigating change. How are you, you know, preparing the, the, the team for the future? 
Yeah, it's staying agile. What's cool about esports is we don't have the decades and centuries of um, kind of rules um, and expectations from the fan base. We're able to uh, embrace change, use the community feedback, um, and iterate to just do things better. So uh, for us, there's nothing better that that we can, you know, um, change things quickly um, and and just kind of continue to iterate as we go. Is there any brand that you look to for inspiration? Yeah, um, well, first of all, uh, you know, something in, in eSports, it, while we're of course always competitive, um, we, we really do celebrate what um, all of our other uh, eSport uh, industry um, groups are, are doing. And one that I thought was really cool is League of Legends just launched a partnership with Spotify uh, to, do, to do podcasts. Um, Spotify is a brand that um, I think is, is really awesome and leading the way in cool areas. Of course, I'd be remiss not to say that I don't follow like the Nikes of the world um, and you know WWE, for example, particularly when it comes to storytelling and content creation um, is something that also really uh, inspires me. So you had talked a little bit about, and this is a question from the audience, you had talked about kind of the brand partnerships that uh, you guys have formed. Um, obviously, advertising in-game uh, is a huge opportunity. Do you guys have any kind of advertising opportunities within the game for the kind of everyday player, per se? Yeah, totally. So the thing about esports, which is uh, sometimes confusing, is... Um, everything that we do and monetize and how we create revenue is within the league side. So there are opportunities on the game side and um, that's, that's fully controlled by the game team to integrate. And you've started to see that. Um, you've probably seen it recently with Epic. Um, so there's definitely opportunity there for us. When we think about integration, it's how do we do it on the league side within the broadcast, which is kind of our version of the game, the live digital broadcast. Um, so we uh, definitely look to integrate there. And, um, you know, as we, as we go, forward we'll be looking to do a lot more there since the in-person events uh, is a challenge awesome well uh thank you again Kristen, uh and to everybody that tuned in today uh you can join us next thursday where we'll be hosting uh julia parsons senior director of partnership marketing at lyft uh, feel free to have any colleagues rsvp on our website if they're interested in attending uh, thanks again and have a great rest of the day everyone thank you